Good morning. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, I must say, I have missed you, missed seeing you, doing life with you, laughing, crying, praying, that sort of thing. Um, so, have missed you. Uh, we are going to continue on uh, the God Has a Name series from Exodus 34, 6 to 7. I have to give credit to John Mark Comer for his inspiring writing um, that I have used for this message. Uh, if you are able, you could stand with me as I read this passage. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for their sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. You may be seated. Uh, we are on the journey of knowing this God who has a name, Yahweh. Uh, in our Bibles, uh, if it says capital L-O-R-D, that is translated it to Yahweh. If you, if you are new to this today, uh, I would really encourage you to go and listen to the last two sessions Derwin did on this series, October 11th and the 18th. Uh, it's really good stuff, foundational stuff, um, helps you understand who this Yahweh is. Um, so just to give you a little bit of context, uh, this probably is 1500 BC. Uh, if you are living this time, uh, you are in a spiritually charged universe of gods and goddesses. Um, they are not so nice. Uh, if you read any ancient texts, you find out they require sacrifices especially if you want them on your side. Uh, sacrifices are needed. Probably a bird, a sheep, cattle, maybe one of your children, and maybe your firstborn. So if you have studied the ancient world civilization, you would have studied about these gods. If you have lived in this ancient world, you would live in fear of these gods. So in this context, the true God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, comes to rescue the Hebrew people from slavery. And he's coaching them, coaching the Israelites into a relationship. Remember, they have been slaves for 400 years, 24-7 serving their masters who worshipped these gods, other gods. And it seems this true God wants to know you and to be known by you. It's an intimate relationship. So in this context, verse 6 happens. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. The first thing he wants you to know about him 
is that he is compassionate and gracious. In the Hebrew scriptures, the order matters. Order is the clue to what is important. Since compassionate and gracious is at the top of the list, it means it is the dominant character, the most important thing you need to know about Yahweh. In Hebrew, compassionate and gracious is rahum vehanum. I'm sure I'm killing the Hebrew text there when I pronounce it. But uh, it's a word pairing in Hebrew. Not only um, the two words sounds alike, but they are side by side to explain each other. So we'll talk about each on its own, and then we'll combine it together. Rahum, uh, or compassionate. Uh, in many of your translations, it's translated to merciful, uh, especially in ESV. The root meaning of the word rahum is female womb. The idea behind is the feeling a mother has towards her infant child. This is what Yahweh feels towards you, towards us. Um, just to give you some context, um, this word rahum is used in 1 Kings 3, uh, 16 to 28. The story is um, King Solomon, uh, he's a, a wise, wise king. And these two women come and say to him uh, with their ch one child, saying both of them is their mother. And uh, King Solomon, the wise one, he says to the the God, okay, cut the baby into two and give it to both the women. But it says in verse 26, it reads, she, the real mother, was deeply moved by Rahum, her intense, visceral, motherly love for her child. She says to the king, no, give the child to the other woman. And thus, Solomon knows who's the real mother and gives the child to that mother. Another uh, passage, uh, this word is used, is in Isaiah 49:15, where Yahweh says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion, there's that word, on the child she has born? Even if she may forget, I will not forget you. You know, I, I read that scripture before and I thought, oh, that's kind of a nice scripture, nice sentiment, until I had a child of my own. Uh, this is uh, soon after I had Caleb, probably, you know, four weeks or so. You know, no sleep, sleepless nights. You know, all you are doing is feeding, changing diapers, burping, and putting them to bed, and that's all you do, day and night. And um, after a while, you know, without sleep, it becomes pretty hard. And I think Devin felt sorry for me one day, and he said to me, Angel, you just need to get out. You need to go, um, go somewhere where you want to go. So I got dressed up, you know, regular clothes, um, put on, and went. I went to Superstore. I know, big place, right? Um, 
I didn't go shopping, grocery shopping. I went to the homeware section, looking around, feeling like a normal, regular woman doing what normal women do. And, uh, you know, trying to forget that I have a baby at home with Derwin. And as I'm going, um, really enjoying myself, and all of a sudden, I hear a baby cry. I turn around, and I look, and there is a baby, young baby. And you know what? The physical response to me, which I was completely unaware, was all of a sudden milk started flowing. It, the technical term is lactating. I didn't know that. As a young mother, nobody told me that would happen. And I remember thinking I was so embarrassed to put my coat around me and left my uh, cart and went home crying in the car, because that is the first time I realized, even though my son was not with me, I could not forget him. And this is what Yahweh is saying. A breastfeeding mom cannot forget her baby. She really can't, even if she wanted to. And Yahweh says, even if she did, which is impossible, I will never forget you. If you can't relate to that experience, if you are, are a man, here is another scripture from Psalm 103, uh, 7 to 14. The psalmist quotes, again, ex, uh, Exodus 34, uh, 6 and 7. He says, initially he says, he, that's Yahweh, revealed his character to Moses. And then he says, the Yahweh is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love. And then in verse 14, he says, as the father has compassion on his children, so the Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him. So Rahum, compassion that a parent feels towards their infant child. Now, some of you, you find you can't relate to this experience, uh, Maybe because you have a, a family of origin which is quite warped or very dysfunctional. Maybe your dad was always angry and took his anger on you. Uh, maybe your mom was a perfectionist and critical and you felt you couldn't measure up. I grew up in an alcoholic home where things were quite chaotic and violent. I was the youngest. And therefore, I felt I wasn't smart enough, pretty enough, athletic enough, or good enough in so many ways. Interestingly enough, when I found Jesus' deep love for me, he took me through a long journey of the Father's love towards me. I found some of my deepest, deepest yearnings were met by my Heavenly Father. When I became a mother of Caleb and Noah, this love a mother feels towards her child taps into a deep, deep part of my soul. The love I feel for my boys is fierce, it's visceral, and deep in my bones. And you know what? 
This is what Yahweh feels about us. He is passionate about you. This is compassion. It's a deep, deep feeling word. The second word uh, is gracious. This is an action word. In Hebrew, it's hanan. It means to show grace or show favor. Something you do. It's an action word. To hanan someone is to help them out in a time of need. Uh, uh, scriptures to uh, use this word in Exodus 22 Verses 26 to 27, again, God says, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, this is if you are giving them a loan and interest, return it by sunset because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear them for I am gracious. Here's the word Hanan. Uh, in Psalm 86, uh, 15 and 16, the psalmist says, but you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You can see, right? The scripture gets repeated over and over again. And then the psalmist says in verse 16, Turn to me and be gracious to me. There's the word Hanan. Give your strength to your servant and save me. Here is a prayer for God's grace, God's action to restore and save Israel. Asking God to do something. So compassion is a feeling word that a parent feels towards their little child. And gracious is an action word for God to come and rescue. What does this mean? When we come to pray, just remember who we are praying to. The Yahweh who feels and cares about us. He's a God who acts. He wants to help. He wants to do something in our situation. Um, you know, I, I uh, worry a lot about my boys. Uh, they are not boys anymore. They are men now. Um, sometimes I carry that load, that weight with me, um, because I know their strengths, and I know their weaknesses. And uh, so sometimes it's, the weight is on me. And I remember one day the Lord really challenging me and saying to me, do you believe who I am? Do you believe that I am compassionate and gracious? Do you believe that I made them? You didn't make them. I care for them as a mother cares for her baby. Wow. Now, when I worry I bring it up and I say, God, this is a weight I can't carry. You need to carry that burden for me, knowing that he is compassionate and he is gracious. 
You know, when you pray, you don't have to work yourself up because we know that he is gracious and compassionate, want to help. Here's another story. Um, this is the story of Jonah. Jonah is a prophet, and Yahweh called Jonah, and he said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, Assyrian Empire, a dominant empire of that day. Uh, John, uh, John Mark Comer, he says, uh, archaeologists recently found a Ninevite library, and there, uh, a king, I can't pronounce his last name, Shalamanasar II, says this about the city he conquered. He said, uh, a pyramid heads I reared in front of the city. Their youth and their maidens I burned up in flames. Can you imagine that? All their men's head was cut off, piled up like a pyramid, and all the women and children were burned alive. Not very nice guy. Uh, his son uh, says that about the king he conquered. He says, I flayed his skin and spread it upon the wall of that city. Something you never want to happen to you. Uh, Assyrians were uh, terrible. When they conquered a city, they burned the villages, burned the farms, raped the women and children, and killed them. So here is Yahweh calling Jonah to go to Nineveh, this capital city of the Assyrians, to plant a church there. Interesting that it says, but Jonah ran away from Yahweh and headed to Tarshish. Now remember, Israel is here. Nineveh is to the east. Tarshish is in the opposite direction in the west. They think it's closely to the modern-day Spain. So in the ancient world, it would have been the ends of the earth. Do you notice Jonah is not running away from the Assyrians, but away from Yahweh. After some amazing, convincing moves by Yahweh, Jonah goes to Nineveh and gives this message. It's a short message. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Amazingly, people of Nineveh truly repent and ask Yahweh for mercy. In Jonah 3.10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Relented. Nahamad. Remember, Derwin talked about this a few weeks ago? God changed his mind. Why? Because like Derwin said, we have a God who responds to us. He responds to genuine repentance. Did you catch that? Yahweh is the one who initiated this whole redemption process of this evil people. It wasn't Jonah. This is where the story gets quite interesting. 
you would think that Jonah would be so excited that he preached this short message and over 120,000 people repented and God brought good in that land. No, he wasn't. It says he was upset, he was sulking, and he had a temper tantrum like a two-year-old. And when God asks him, why are you angry? Jonah says, he quotes again, Exodus 34. He says, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Interesting, isn't it? Why? Why was he so mad? Because God was compassionate and gracious to his enemies. This is why he ran away to Tarshish. We love and serve a God who is compassionate and gracious to us, but also to our enemies. This is when this happens. That's when we realize our God doesn't fit into our little nicely packaged, neatly put box. He jumps out of the box. He behaves in ways that we don't want him to behave. He is a true God, the creator of the universe. He even loves our enemies. This is the heart of God. Now, Jesus, coming to New Testament, um, you see Jesus is the Yahweh in flesh. Um, compassion, a um, lot of the stories uh, say mercy in the New Testament Greek, and grace. So compassion and grace, mercy and grace are mentioned about Jesus all throughout the Gospels. So many times it says about Jesus, filled with compassion or filled with mercy, Jesus healed the blind man, raised up the widow's son, healed the lepers. This is why the blind men and the fathers of dying children, even lepers, called out to Jesus and said, Son of David, have mercy. They are pressing into this compassionate and gracious Yahweh. Jesus came to make Yahweh known in flesh. You know, he tells many stories about his father in heaven. Uh, one of the most famous one is the father who has two sons. The oldest one is a self-righteous snob who's very resentful. And the youngest one is the brash party animal who takes the inheritance and squanders. For Jesus, who has the Father's heart, he tells us what is the heavenly Father is like. He is like the one who throws a party when the rebellious son returns, who runs to the repented son and hugs and kisses the son when he was stinky with pigsty. 
right? Remember, this is a Jewish culture. He's telling the story to pigs were the most unclean things. And he puts a ring on him and a robe on him. This is what Jesus says the father is like. He also wants this resentful, self-righteous, judgmental son to come out of the house and enjoy life and freedom and peace at this party. You know, who God is has staggering implications for who we are. Who God is has a staggering implications for who we are. Can I challenge you? Is this your dominant character about you as you apprentice with Jesus? As you become a disciple of Jesus, is this becoming a dominant character of you? As we get older each year, are we becoming more compassionate and gracious? In Luke 6, 35 to 36, uh, Jesus says, But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back. When you're re then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And then he says, be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. This is the DNA, Jesus is saying. For the children, the heirs of the Most High, we are going to be compassionate and gracious. The world needs more compassion and grace far more than we think. Especially during this time of pandemic and isolation. We are all too involved in our own life, our own social media and our news. And we are part of this cancel culture where if, if I don't like what you say, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. In this culture, if we are not careful, we might isolate ourselves and listen to only what we want to hear and might become more like the oldest son. Down south this week, there's going to be an election. It's, it's a divided nation. The social media and the news are full of divisive opinions, news, and thoughts. Even during this time, are we becoming more like our father? If you don't know how to pray, pray like Jesus prayed during this week. Let your kingdom come, Father. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who are your enemies? Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Is this your disposition towards your enemies, whoever that might be? 
who are the people you have daily opportunities to show mercy and grace? It's easy to, in this time to live an independent life, isn't it? It is mostly people in our lives who annoy us and disappoint us and hurt us. If you have a wedding band in your third finger, it could be your spouse. Uh, if you are single, it could be your roommate or siblings or people who have different opinion or worldview. Finally, I want to ask you, do you truly believe Yahweh is your father? Truly, truly believe. Do you believe he feels compassion towards you? That he wants to help you? Do you truly believe that? I know those of us who are parents, we would give our life away to our children. We'd rather absorb the pain, the hardship of our children uh, so that they don't suffer. This is just a shadow, an echo of what the Yahweh is like. You know why? That is why he gave himself away on the cross. This is who our loving God is. He is so, so, so good. This is why we sing. You are good. You are good. It's because of his character, not because we are trying to muster up stuff, because he is truly, truly good.